Through the streets of Selma, the pupils marched under heavy police guard. They issued a statement saying they were demonstrating because their parents have been denied the right to vote. In Dallas County, although Negroes outnumber whites, several thousand whites are registered, only a few hundred Negroes. The teenagers were protesting voter registration procedures under which the Board of Registrars is open just two days a month, except under special circumstances. Through it all today, Martin Luther King spent his third day in Selma's city jail. There are no indications when he'll postpone to get out. Charles Quinn, NBC News, Montgomery. Welcome to Better to Speak, the podcast, where we use storytelling to transform silence into language and action. I'm your host, Casey Felton. On today's episode, we're going to discuss all things voting, but first I wanted to wait, or I wanted to wait until Super Tuesday to see how that went. And today, this is Wednesday, I'm recording this, or Thursday, my candidate, Elizabeth Warren, actually dropped out. And it was interesting because I just got my absentee ballot to vote back home in Georgia. I just, you know, cast my ballot for her, and I had this ballot in my purse for the past couple of days just waiting to see um, what would happen and of course today she dropped out and so that kind of made me start thinking about well should I even send my absentee ballot off and I think that for me just seeing how crowded this campaign started out it was really important for me to just cast my own ballot because this whole thing has been kind of difficult to choose a candidate in the first place and I think Elizabeth Warren was one of the candidates that really, um, really stood out to me that I really believed in that I was really excited about, not necessarily because of her. And I don't really want to get into like what I was talking about last episode, this idea of, you know, waiting for a savior in terms of electoral politics. But I did believe in her. I did believe in her campaign, her messaging, and more importantly, the um, the black women that she had around her and supporting her. And so for me, it was more about that and not necessarily about choosing the right candidate, choosing the candidate that, you know, everybody on the TL is talking about or that they approve of. And so, again, I went ahead and cast that ballot. And then it it made me think about this larger conversation of how do we navigate, especially for young people, navigating those conversations about, you know, young people not turning out to vote. But understanding that, you know, we're grounded, for me, grounded in this idea that this system of electoral Electoral politics isn't one that I really believe in 100%, but I understand that not voting and not participating isn't really an option. It's not the most effective alternative. For me, again, it was good that I found a candidate that I believed in and supported, which is why I still not off my ballot. But I think I will end up supporting Bernie Sanders probably because he is the most similar in terms of policies. I was a Bernie supporter in 2016 when I first turned 18. And it wasn't, you know, that I don't agree with his policies now, but he just doesn't really excite me as a candidate. But again, like I probably will end up supporting him just because, again, the alternative of Joe Biden isn't really that much better. So it just, again, reminds me that the electoral politics shouldn't be our only means of participating. I mean, it shouldn't be the only or most valued way of, of making your voice heard. But especially, again, for black folks, we have to remember that we've come so far in terms of our ability to vote. And that's what I wanted to get into in this episode was just talking about how does that, you know, understanding our history to better understand our present kind of frame how young black people specifically will approach the 2020 election. So, of course, I'm thinking of um, the anniversary of Selma, Alabama, Bloody Sunday, and just how far, like I said, how far we've come in terms of our ability to to get the right to vote, the right that we've deserved. Um, and, and in that, making that link from then to now, I don't think that 
society paints a clear enough picture for what motivations or what benefits that we get from voting. I think it's the conversation is always, you know, you have to get out and vote. Like I saw someone, some celebrity had a t-shirt that said like vote or die. And it was like, of course it is that drastic at the end of the day, but I think it's, it's not just, um, it shouldn't be painted as such like an alarmist thing. Like we should have more creative, innovative ways of making it clear as to why voting is so important. And it's interesting that, you know, it took Donald Trump for us to be so motivated to vote. But I'm, my fear is that we won't have like a long term game plan for what civic engagement will look like or what the, the strategy to mobilize voters will look like past January 21st, 2021. And so going back to the overall dialogue about voting, especially for young people, is the very patronizing and at times condescending tone that I feel like older generations take with us over exercising our right to vote. And I'm sure you've heard the expression within the black community of like, it took, you know, if you know what our ancestors did in order for us to get that right, like you wouldn't be, you know, as apathetic as a lot of young people are or just un- unwilling to, to vote. And I think when you do take the time to go back to that timeline of black voting from the black codes, the Dred Scott decision, all the way up until um, Stacey Abrams' gubernatorial race, I often feel that, you know, again, instead of educating young people and getting us energized, we see the finger pointed at us for, you know, disappointing t- turnout rates. And so I think back to um, the whole, po- like when the Popeye's chicken sandwich first dropped and there were people in line literally outside of the building for the sandwich and people were throwing shade, talking about, oh, we should have this energy when it comes to voting. And I think that there's a difference between that and, you know, being the person that actually goes out and registers people to vote and, and you know, takes that same energy off of the TL and, and changes it into actually trying to mobilize and get people, you know, registered to vote and making sure that they have the resources to make an informed decision. And so people made a good point of highlighting that comments like that, although they may be well-intentioned, kind of erase the role of ongoing voter suppression, like what we saw on um, Super Tuesday with people having to wait in these wait for hours in these super long lines to vote, a general lack of civic education, making sure that people know where to vote, how to register to vote, how to register for their absentee ballots, things like that, just knowing um, what policy measures are going to be on the ballot different factors that make it hard for people to vote. And so I think of, you know, that Tyra Banks meme where it's like the stress, the importance of voting without the condescension. And then we also don't hold space, like I was talking about earlier, for the idea that certain candidates and policies just aren't enough and they don't meet the needs of everyone within the black community. And so it's hard to, to navigate that because you don't want to settle. Um, I know a lot of people are like, well, the, the system is flawed, the system is rigged, but you obviously don't want to be a part of the group who just doesn't choose to vote. And I think for this this next part, I want to address those people. For those of us who, who kind of willingly ignore our responsibility to vote, whether because, again, you think your vote doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, or because you think the system is flawed, um, I truly believe that voting and showing up to make your contribution in the shaping of society is important and that everyone should try their hardest to do it. And again, for me, it's not about how my vote will affect 330 million people, but it's the principle of, of me knowing that I showed up for, you know, my community and my um, community's interest. And so that's what, you know, this whole situation with my absentee ballot showed me is that I easily could have just kept my ballot or sent it back and got another one and made the, the vote for another person. But I think that self-silencing or like me, shifting you know what I believed in or who I believed in simply because the system didn't work um I just didn't really sit well with me and so another reason why you know it's difficult navigating this whole topic of voting is because a lot of us feel like the system is a lot bigger than us that our contributions won't make a difference but I think that we should redirect that conversation 
as well as our efforts to ensure that we're showing up for ourselves, like I said, our families, our communities, and those within our society that are most vulnerable. And so that can be, I think of this idea of like just within our corner of the world. So like your neighborhood, your city, your friend group, um, depending on your breadth of impact and, and the reach that you could have, just doing the work to ensure that as many of those people you can reach have that that seed of hope or interest in doing their part plants it within them um that has a, a lot more of an exponential effect than i think that we give ourselves credit for and so when i hear people talking more broadly about political power specifically for black people they're usually implying that um that that power goes beyond voting and i think that's also something that's not as stressed so step one is showing up to the polls and voting and getting your community to do the same and after that, I think, comes the realization that we have a lot more of a say and a lot more power than we allow ourselves to believe. And so whether you exercise that within the confines of electoral politics or elsewhere in your community, um, that power definitely exists. But, of course, the prerequisite is that you show up for step one. Um, and so going back to what I was talking about earlier, if it's an issue of candidates not being the best representative of your community or, you know, your community's interests or policy measures not matching up, then that conversation needs to be had and stressed. And so I, uh, another thing is that I feel like we are told to settle a lot for different candidates um, and waiting for a savior to come up, waiting for that perfect candidate instead of really investing into leadership within our own community and making sure that the people who are coming up have those tools and those resources and that, you know, we're making our voices heard and our concerns heard. And so that we're at the table in the development of these candidates platforms and not waiting just to see what it is and then see if it measures up. That's one of the reasons why I really like Warren is because um, there's an organization called Black Women Four who endorsed her and, and they were really, really imperative in not just, you know, putting her name on their on their website and their platform and making T-shirts, but they were really, really, like, really pressed her to um, be held accountable to making sure that she's actually, you know, about the things that she that she had in her platform. And so they always talked about her. The women that were a part of that, um, that group um, were always talking about how they were constantly checking her on different policies and not just policies pertaining to the black community, but just across her platform. So um, I think that shows that Leadership, and that's what I liked about Warren's campaign, is that leadership can be held accountable for their their platforms and for their responsibility as an elected official. They can be held accountable for their just thoroughly examined as um, as a leader and what they're they're hoping to bring to our um, communities. And so again, touching on that savior complex, either with our leadership or just our systems in general, like that's I feel like is what gets us caught up and jaded over long periods of time. Is just the idea that it consistently doesn't work. I think looking from again where we started in terms of the democratic pool to now, it's like long term. It just kind of reflects the same things that we've been seeing. And so I think aside from the fact that for black people and other marginalized groups in this country, the system was just wasn't set up for us to win. But I've realized throughout, you know, my learnings in sociology and politics that the systems that we've as a society have decided to organize ourselves and define ourselves with were made by flawed human beings, were made by, you know, human beings who are actively trying to harm other groups. And so that's why we have the certain dynamics that we have. And so because those systems still exist, because the attitudes and beliefs that uphold them still exist, I don't really think that we're going to see that long-term change or transformation that I think Warren was fighting for or getting at um, and that we're ultimately hoping for. 
And so a lot of us in this generation just kind of feel like, well, this is just how the system is. I don't really have the power to change it. And, and that kind of creates this, this sense of apathy where, you know, we have people who don't want to vote because they don't see the system working for them. And, and it's you have to acknowledge that um, you can't really blame them. And it's definitely well deserved, I guess, towards the system. And so what I say to that, again, is that in order to combat, in order to try and find solutions for the problem and not just um, accepting that and, and staying the sense of apathy is like we have to recognize our power, not just politically, but personally. I mean, that's what Better to Speak's whole platform is about, is that before any of the social justice or political stuff, you really have to first believe that your voice inherently belongs in those conversations and in the shaping of society and that you have something to offer through your unique way of showing up in the world and that you can't be complicit and sit by while other people have a hand in shaping your reality for you. And so, again, I don't think that that stops at this one election, or does, nor does it stop at voting. Um, the institutional change and transformation that I think people are fighting for and that they have been fighting for, again, won't come overnight and definitely has to start with the, the unlearning of, you know, these harmful systems and beliefs and um, just the other functions of white supremacy that have been built up literally for centuries. Like, they're not just going to come down overnight. And so I think, again, we have to place a, a greater value on learning and unlearning and becoming more active members of, you know, whatever communities we find ourselves in um, and our voices and our power. And so I think that unless we do that, these institutions will last and we'll see the same iterations of the issues that we're fighting up against now and generation after generation. And so ultimately, um, I don't want to, you know, be that person that harps like you have to vote, you have to vote, you have to vote. But, you know, at this point in our political climate, your silence will not protect you. And, and imagining that we live in a world where voter suppression doesn't exist, people choosing not to vote is being complicit at the end of the day. And so um, I, I personally just think that it undermines a lot of the work that these organizations, that these um activists are doing to make sure that we have the right to vote making sure that you know we're dismantling these harmful systems that clearly are not working for us and it and it doesn't require that you be an activist per se but it can be as simple again as you having conversations with your friends and your families even though that may be difficult but like the people that you choose to be in community with and having those conversations and ensuring that everybody is doing their part and making you know your plans to vote making sure that you know you have the correct polling addresses that people are registered getting their absentee ballots um, just talking over important local ballot measures and platforms of your candidate and not just you know for the presidential election at the top of the ticket but for local officials as well and so other ways you like you can get involved with local organizations and register people to vote um, or check their, their voter registration or get their absentee ballot. Just find whatever works for you, even if it's one time um, or you find something that you commit to for the election cycle or even further. Just try your best to do your part because it is important. So that's it for this episode. This has been your 20-minute PSA on voting brought to you by Better to Speak. You can find us on social media at Better to Speak underscore or at our website, bettertospeak.org. Make sure to tune in to future episodes where we'll dive into various sociopolitical topics with the goal of transforming silence into language and action. Again, this has been your host, Casey Felton. Thank you for listening.